I'll tell you what, doing radio shows for an actor is, it's completely different. And you have to rely on your voice. You have to transmit the emotions that you would see in, in somebody's face through the actual microphone, which is, is hard for some people to do. This is Beaver County filmmaker Christopher Writer, Daniel Ross Kelly Keen. Powell, managing this director. This is Beaver County artist Marlon This is Gist. Beaver County filmmaker Joseph Aaron Podcast producer Kevin This Harkis. is Pamela Rossi Keene, the director of the Genesis Collective. And you're listening to the Genesis, Genesis Collective, Collective Podcast. The Genesis Collective, supporting local artists and their work, making art more accessible, and putting art back into our communities. I'm Kevin Farkas, one of the hosts of the podcast. On this episode, we talk with Dave Halawiko, Shanti Bianco, Larry Spinnenweber, Kevin McGuire, Eric J. McAnallen, and Carrie Lynn Hutch about RAC Theater Productions' long-running annual holiday radio show produced right here in Beaver County for more than a quarter century. We have been doing radio theater for over 20 years, right? And our act has been in Rochester and Beaver County for 27 years now. So uh, we've been doing radio theater for most of our existence. And every year we do one charity radio show at the end of the year for the holidays. And it's typically either a traditional holiday feeling piece or something that people will recognize. I came in two years after our act was founded. I've been doing theater for since, I guess, the late 80s, early 90s, but then I had a 20-year hiatus. Um, but um, I've been in Beaver County for a couple of years now, and I've been in two of the radio shows, and I, I just love it. I love it. I love that venue. It's, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, actually, I was a member of our act for many years and did two radio shows. But for an actor, I'll tell you what, it's completely different. Because you can't see the actor and you have to rely on your voice, you have to transmit the emotions that you would see in, in somebody's face through the actual microphone, which is, is hard for some people to do. Well, the 1940s has sort of become the era because when we're looking for radio scripts, that was the heyday of the radio dramas. And the scripts we're finding were written and performed in the 40s. So it's not a conscious, let's narrow in on the 40s. It's because that's where all the scripts were from. Larry's right. If you go to most of the sites that have the actual scripts from radio shows, they're from the 30s, 40s, and, and some from the 50s, but very few. Most of your 50s radio shows are, surprisingly enough, for science fiction. There was a lot of science fiction radio shows in the 50s. Any of the Lux Presents scripts that we've done, we haven't changed the dialogue. We've left them as they were written in the 40s. Yeah, we introduced our audience to go back to the bygone era and just, just be prepared for 1940s on the radio. Well, I, I think it adds to the magic of the moment to hear things that we don't normally hear in, in modern speech. What's that? Oh, yes. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, too. Uh, excuse me, more. I, uh, um, I mean, I'd like to, uh, Vinny in here, if that's all right with you. I can't talk the ruddy language. <laughs> uh, it is not necessary to speak the ruddy language, monsieur, since I speak yours after a fashion. Oh, the, the station master said you wouldn't mind if Yeah, I 2014 is when I got involved with our act. That was actually my first show with our act was uh, A Child is Born and uh, it was what? Three, three men. Three men. Mm -hmm. I, I played a child. Yeah. I, I, 
Just played yeah. a child too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you listen to me talk and I've got this uh, deep baritone voice and I had to play a, a prepubescent uh, thief in one of the shows. Yeah. Who speaks there? Who are you? Who? Oh, my name is Dismas. I'm a thief. You know, the starved, flea-bitten sort of boy who haunts dark alleyways in any town, sleeps on a fruit sack, runs from the police, begs what he can and borrows what he must. <laughs> That's me. When I was a member, I was in Miracle on 34th Street, and I played seven different characters. Some of them only had a line or two, but my wife was in the audience, and she actually looked around and could not figure out who was talking, and it was me, because I actually did seven different voices for those characters. So that's one of the things about radio shows, too. You can play multiple characters. Well, you, you throw into that the fact that we're doing it live in front of an audience, so not only are you changing your voice, but the audience is watching you do it, which adds, again, a, another level of, of magic to it because they can actually see the actor's process in switching from one voice to another, you know, sometimes on the same page. That is so fascinating as an audience member to be able to sit and watch that sort of thing. And, and I think doing it in front of a live audience really does, you know, you can listen to it, sure, like as a podcast or online or whatever, but it, it's not quite the same as watching the actors do it. That's what I love about it, the fact that you can change your voice. I love doing that. How now? What do you want with me? Who are you? Ask me who I was. Who were you? In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. There's more of gravy than grave about you, whatever you are. You believe in me now? I do. Must must believe. Believe. You must, you must, must believe. believe. It's gone. Oh, I made it. 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 a moment to hear from our wonderful sponsors. Our Act Theater Productions would like to thank the folks at the Social Voice Project for supplying the audio support for this holiday production. Every week, the fine audio technicians at the Social what Voice Project... What is the challenge to turn a normal script into a radio show? I think uh, the biggest challenge for me is that a lot of my humor tends to be visual. I like, like vaudevillian slapstick and ridiculous situations that are based on visual cues. And you can't do that real well over radio. You've got to deliver the punchline entirely with dialogue. Sometimes you could look at a script and go, this script is hilarious. I can't do this as a radio show because the audience, unless I have a narrator go, and then he slipped and fell, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which, which kind of, defeats the purpose. It really does. I mean, I mean, yeah, I know they used to do that. They'd have a narrator, you know, would, would fill in some of the action, but I find that when you do that, it's not nearly as interesting as being able to, to do it with dialogue. I'm regularly not a performer, so having a script, you know, really helps me. It's my little security blanket. And I think that's why a lot of people come and audition for the radio shows because there's less pressure from memorizing lines that really, you know, attracts me to the radio show. I love the fact that we can just read radio shows. Foley work is your sound effects. You're doing live sound effects. Yes, a lot of physical comedy can't be done on radio. Certain bits, however, you can do if you go into the sound effects. And I'm thinking of 
the old comedy series Fibber McGee and Molly, where they had a running gag, and you didn't even have to see it. You just knew when he mentions the closet, and then you hear the sound effect that he's opened this avalanche of junk out of the closet. Oh, where's my check? Oh, I remember. Where is it? Right here in the hall closet. Got to straighten out that closet one of these days. The first audition that I came to, which was for A Child is Born and Three Men, I was only interested in helping out with the live uh, sound effects. So that's what I came into the auditions with the intention of meeting the director and, and introducing myself and offering my assistance there. I ended up getting cast in, in one of the two plays, and so I was able to do the sound effects for the other play. So during the three men, they're on board a train. There's a lot of noise going on. So we had to really figure out the best way to make train sound, which, by the way, is uh, sandpaper on wooden blocks. And then also there's luggage sound where they have to set their bags up on the um, luggage racks or the compartment door opening and closing. And so we wanted to do as much live sound effects as possible in that production. And so you really have to just bang pans together and, and cling this metal to this wood and try and see which sounds the most like the sound you're trying to get. And then fit it all on one table in the side of the room and, and perform those effects live and make sure that those sounds sound realistic on a recording because sometimes the recording changes what it sounds like live. My absolute favorite sound effect was during the shop around the corner. There is actually two scenes where a body has to hit the floor. One, where the woman faints and she's caught, but there's still a bit of a thud. And the other, where the man punches the other man and knocks him out. So creating this sound effect required me to build essentially a half a body dummy so that I could have the noise of a body hitting the floor. And then we had to time it perfectly with somebody punching a rubber ball so it sounded like a, a good punch to the face and a hit to the floor. But timing that and getting the and, and getting that just right was so difficult. But the audience every every night would laugh and kind of ruin the sound cue because they just found the visual of me dropping a half body dummy to the floor so funny. Some of the stuff we use to make sound effects on, on radio shows are just weird. I mean, it really is. I mean, you look at it and you say, well, that doesn't look like it would do any. And then you listen to it and without the visual and say, wow, that does sound exactly like, you know. And I think what happened is we've lost that art. Oh, yeah. When you're doing that live, you got one chance at it. And if you screw it up, you know, you screwed it up. There's no, you can't go, oh, hold on, hold on. We're going to, we're going to go back and, and redo that body falling on the floor. Cause that didn't sound right. You can't do that in a live show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of the things that I strive for when we're, when we start to produce a show is to just try and, I mean, Obviously, it's to include as many people as possible. We want as many volunteers and people who are interested in trying out theater to come to auditions. So we want to make sure there's positions for them. So if we have five people on the Foley table, we have five people on the Foley table. But it also, it does, it creates that real human quality of, of radio theater rather than being just a recording from a movie or essentially in incredibly edited audio. It, it is live and... You do have the mistakes, you do have the audience laughter, and I think it it just makes you visualize it a little bit better because you can hear the shoe squeaks on the floor and you can hear the, you know, the sneezes and you realize it's real people there. 
People watch how you make the sound effects. I mean, just like Shanti said, people laugh because she dropped half a body. Well, I mean, in, in the last show, I, I helped run sound for, for us, and our act had, they had actual tire chains up there for the ghosts and things. I mean, these people are working with everyday things to make sound. And to the average person in the audience, they're saying, well, what's he doing with a tire chain? Until they hear it, and then they say, oh, now it makes sense. For a while in the mid to late 30s, it was a tradition, and I don't know what radio company or what station did it, but it was a tradition that every Christmas Eve, they would do a live half-hour adaptation of A Christmas Carol with Lionel Barrymore as Scrooge. And that was a yearly tradition until his health interfered with that. He had arthritis very badly and that kind of interfered with his performing regularly. Which is why your trivia for the day, Mr. Potter in It's a Wonderful Life, is in a wheelchair. Look at him. You used to be so cocky. You were going to go out and conquer the world. You once called me a warped, frustrated old man. I was here for the first radio show. We wanted to do a Christmas production. It's a Wonderful Life came up as the show we wanted to do, but physically, sets, costumes, a performance venue, all of that was a little much, and someone got the idea, well, it was done as a radio adaptation, let's do that. From the beginning, we have done it as a, as a charity production that any profit we make, and most of what we bring at the door is profit because we have very little if any expenditures on the show. And we've always given that back. Throughout the year, the community supports us and our productions. This is our chance to give back to the community. And each year by tradition, the director chooses what organization he or she would like to donate the proceeds to. The year I, I started directing the show, I picked Toys for Tots. As long as I've been associated with our act, we've always picked great organizations in the Valley. We try to keep all the money in the Valley. Uh, previous years, we've given to Meals on Wheels, the Mental Health Association. Beaver County Cancer Association. Yeah. Beaver County Humane Society. Beaver County Library. So it's always been a really, a really good part of the production is that we know that we're not making this money for us. We're not selling these tickets for us. They're going to a charitable organization. And like Larry said, it's a really great opportunity for us to give back. We're often told that this is um, people's annual holiday tradition. It, it kicks off their, their Christmas season to come to this show. And while, yes, it's a week after the Black Friday sales, this is really what starts it for them in their hearts and minds. For the New Brighton Historical Society, they will buy a block of tickets and that is their holiday party to come see our production and hang out at the reception afterwards. So that's become their tradition to come see the show. Well, for our act, Theater Productions Radio Theater, um, we hold auditions annually, typically um, right around Halloween. We take people from any level of experience. That's actually a big part of what our act is. Uh, as a community theater organization, we want anybody with any inkling to participate in community theater to come and show up at one of our auditions or one of our meetings and volunteer in, in any capacity they're interested in. Even if you just want to work the door and you know take people's money at the box office, that's still a great opportunity for you to come and get involved. 
So I'll tell you how I got involved in our act. I hadn't done theater since high school, which had been almost 35 years before. I always always maintained an interest and, and really wanted to, to do theater. And I got a call from Amy Van Winkle, who used to is a member of our act and who used to be president. And at the time, our act was in a really low point in their history and only had about five active members. So they were doing a radio show. They needed to cast about 12 or something, and, and they had like five. So Amy called me and said, hey, would you be interested in coming to do... Oh, I hadn't done theater, like I said, in 30 years. So I, I'm thinking, radio show, all I have to do is read. Well, that's no problem. And again, I played three or four characters in that show, which I hadn't acted in years. And it re-sparked my interest. And I will tell you, there are a lot of people that have gotten involved in radio shows, and they end up doing regular shows like I did. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's how I found out about Arak too, was online. And then uh, I auditioned for the I'll Be Seeing You show. And uh, I, I just, I, I mean, I just fell in love with that. I mean, I've always, I was a DJ years ago for a small station in Lawrence County. That love of radio, it was sparked then. And to have an opportunity, you know, to move to Beaver County and suddenly have this kind of opportunity not only the acting but the the radio show it's just fantastic to me i mean i'm 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 in love with it this group of people and i've been involved in them one way or another for many years our act is the most welcoming group if you come and you want a part in the radio show or they think you're you're you know you're capable of doing a part in a normal show they're going to cast you that's something that I'm really proud of. I'm, I'm proud that people like Kevin can come back to Beaver County and find a home at our act. It, you know, there may not be a part for you in every single production we do. I mean, we do six shows a year, including the radio show. So you never know what kind of parts we're going to cast for. But I often tell people, if you're at all interested in community theater or just being involved in something that's a little bit more theatrical and dramatic, why not audition for the radio show? It's kind of like dipping your big toe in just to see how the water is. You don't have to memorize your lines. There's no blocking, there's no costumes. It's entirely based on your voice. And I've had so much fun in every production I've been involved in, I, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. You've been listening to Beaver County's RX Theater Productions talk about their annual holiday radio show, our region's longest running radio drama of its kind. Because of the pandemic, last year's live performance had to be canceled, and it's not clear whether there will be another live show in 21. But when the time comes to bring back live radio theater to Beaver County, we highly recommend attending the performance. Perhaps it will be in RX's new Seagriff Theater in Rochester, Pennsylvania. Meanwhile, please continue to support the fine work they are doing to keep the performing arts alive and well in Beaver County. Check out the show notes to this episode to find out more about our act. And while you're there, please consider generously supporting this podcast by making a donation or in-kind contribution to the Genesis Collective. Community support helps us share more stories of Beaver County artists and creators, such as photographers, filmmakers, musicians, actors, and even podcasters. We'd like to thank the generous support of the Arts Equity Reimagined Fund, the Program to Aid Citizen Enterprise Capacity Building Grant, and New Sun Rising for help making this podcast possible and funding the important work of the Genesis Collective. Before we go... I want to highlight a piece of public artwork in Beaver County and encourage you and your friends to go see it, enjoy it, talk about it, and share it on social media. 
As the Brazilian street artist Romero Brito says, art is too important not to share. Now, public art is meant for public display, often representing universal concepts and ideals and a community's shared interests and experiences. It reveals to us a defining spirit of a particular moment in our history, often shown through the ideals and beliefs of the time. This is called zeitgeist. Think of what war memorials represent, historical statues, protest art, such as murals of George Floyd, and artwork that reflects back to us hope and possibility. Now, there is a vibrantly painted mural at the intersection of Brighton and New York Avenues in Rochester, and it's called A Vital and Connected Rochester. I bet you've passed this a hundred times and haven't noticed it much. But it's hard to miss, being 16 by 33 feet, painted broadside against the earth and red brick of the old Henderson printing building at the foot of Brighton Avenue. And it's been there since October of 2014. Now, the mural is the creation of artist Bernie Wilkie of Pittsburgh, but more than 100 local residents, including schoolchildren, were involved with painting the mural's background and putting scores of butterflies around the mural's border. The community also helped pay for the mural as well, and it wasn't cheap. A grant by the Pennsylvania Rural Arts Alliance got the project off the ground and onto the wall. And I mean literally. This is why public support and financing for the arts is so important. As for the mural itself, it depicts kayakers on the Ohio River, pedestrians passing a sidewalk cafe, walkers on a recreational trail. There are bridges, of course, and wildlife, fishes below the surface of the river, there's even a nod to Rochester's location, the hub of Beaver County, along with hints of its industrial heritage. Seeing it is well worth the trip. That does it for this episode of the Genesis Collective Podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes featuring local Beaver County artists, more art talk, news and events about the Genesis Collective, and our spotlight on public art throughout the county and in your community. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the Genesis Collective Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and visit us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and our website, gcollective.org. I'm Kevin Farkas. See you next time. You are listening to a production of the Genesis Collective. Supporting local artists and their work. Making art more accessible. And putting art back into our communities. What I want you to know above all is that the Genesis Collective is about you. It's about our community. It's about something that is crucial to who you are as a human being. It taps into a power that we don't realize we have. Artists are making things. This is who they are and what they want to do. Please dream with us. Get involved.